hearts fall short I got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do But every song must end So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah I've got one response I've got just one move With my arms stretched wide I will worship you So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a heart
praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much But I've nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Good afternoon, good morning everyone, good evening. I hope you're having a marvelous day. Um, thank you so much for tuning into Devoted with Bernice today. The song we listened to was Gratitude by um, Brendan, I forgot his last name, but go and look up Gratitude. He has such a beautiful song of just worship, of being thankful to the Lord. Um, so today we're still talking about our soul surgery. We're talking more so about um, the Bible, you know, people in the Word of God who uh, endured so tight, how to, how we can learn from them. Okay, last week I, I did some deliverance and some healing uh, with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus did what He wanted to do in your soul, in your spirit. You relinquished some things to the Lord, and the Lord healed it. Um, and so I, you know, one thing about me is that when I I preach or I teach, uh, I let the Lord lead because this is his ministry. It's not mine. This is his, um, his time, you know, and we are just favored and um, blessed to be in the room with him, in his presence, you know. And so uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you thought that last week's um, podcast episode blessed you let's give glory to god let's give gratitude to the lord because he is god of gods he's lord of lords he's king of kings and he has power all in his hands to do the impossible and um i'm waiting for the testimonies that god has done in your life concerning this soul surgery it has blessed me as well so um today we're going to be talking about the bible you know people in the word of god who basically were used to do great things in the word of God and also how they endured so time, okay? How they endured so time. The Bible says that uh, in First Peter 4.19, it says, commit your soul to God. I want us to look at that Bible verse. Um, let's look at that. I want you to turn to First Peter 4.19 and then we're going to pray um, and then we're going to you know, see what God want to do. I, I have things prepared for today, but you know, God, God, he, he does what he wants to do best, right? <laughs> so let's uh, look at First Peter 4, 19. It says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your, your lives to, to the God who created you, for he will never fail you, right? So remember that whatever it is that you're going through personally, as long as you're suffering for Christ, there is a reward, right? There is a bigger reward that we can ever imagine. Um, and so when you suffer for God, the enemy comes in all its devices 
But the Bible also says that what, what, what can we say to these things, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? You got to turn around and talk to your, your mountain and tell it, tell it, Romans 8.31, tell that mountain right now, what shall we say then? What, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing can be against us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And most importantly, he comes to torment and comes to make you feel like you don't have any power, like God is not with you, and all that craziness. It's all, it's all about that Jezebel spirit of intimidation, right? We see that in when Elijah heard what Jezebel said. And then he ran. That's what the enemy wanted to do, to run. But no, no, no. What if Elijah turned around and looked at Jezebel and said, You know what? I just rained down fire by the power of the Lord. I can rain down fire on you right now in the name of Jesus. He, he could have done that. He could have turned around and said, I can rain down fire on you right now by the same power that God gave me to rain down fire. Okay? Get away from me, you, you, you crazy woman. He could have said that to her. But no, fear crept in and he ran. What a powerful man like that just ran because of words, because of intimidation. And so God is saying to you right now, he's saying to you right now, if God be for you, who can be against you? You got to remind yourself that. Sometimes you got to have a, a, a pep talk. Be like, hey, 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 no, 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 we're not doing that today. If God be for me, who can be against me? Not, nothing. You are... You are a child of the God who created the universe. Everything in here. So you are in good company. So I want us to read that again. It says, therefore, let... um, Let's see. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to, to to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You're suffering for God's will, for his purpose. Jesus did. He suffered for our will you know, for our purpose, for the will of God, which is the same will that we wanted, right? To be free from the hands of the enemy. And he committed him, himself to God. He always said, I came to do my father's work. He said, I have food that you have no, no uh, knowledge of, and I'm paraphrasing, to obey the, the, the will of God, to obey what God has called me to do. So I want you right now, whatever mountain it is that you have in your life, maybe marriage mountain, financial mountain, uh, children mountain, job mountain, you know, health mountain, uh, ministry mountain, whatever it is, business mountain, you know, uh, pain, hurt, discomfort, whatever it is. Remember that God is the comfort in your discomfort. So I want you to turn to that mountain and look at it and say, speak it out and say, you, listen to me. If God be for me, you cannot be against me. In the name of Jesus. I want you to say again, keep saying it until you feel a breaking in the realm of the spirit. I believe that the more you say it, you know, it's important to to pray scriptures, right? It's important to pray scriptures because the same thing that Jesus did in the garden and even in the wilderness, he spoke the word of God to the enemy. So I want you to right now just say, what shall I say to these things? 
If God be for me, who can be against me? Come on, say it again. What shall I say to these things? If you want to name them, name them. Whatever it is, situation in your life, just name them. If God, you, you can even point to it. If God be for me, who can be against me? One more time. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nobody. The devil is more afraid of you than you are of it. The issue is more afraid of you than you are of it. Okay? So get your hopes up. Hope deferred makes the what? The heart sick. So I pray hope in your heart right now. Have faith. Remember the time that God helped you in the past. Now is a good time to celebrate and to be grat- gratifying and thank him for the past things that he's done because he's a God of yesterday, God of today, and God of the future. He's a God of revelations, Genesis, and the now. Okay? He's a God of Exodus. It's good to reread the word of God, the places where people triumph because, because God was with them. Reread those, and that will help your faith to be built up. He is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So whatever fire, whatever lie has been placed upon you, whatever gossip, whatever torment, whatever prison gates, he broke Peter, saw, he broke Peter out of prison, okay, by, by the hand of an angel of the Lord. You have angels assigned to you. So nothing can be against you. Whatever fire you find yourself in, whatever lion's den you find yourself in, Daniel prayed. Pray and fast. God hears you. He sees all. He's not surprised by it. He knew it was going to happen. And so he has me here to minister to you right now. This is your rhema word. God is the comfort in your discomfort. Cling to him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It says in James 4, 8, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Some of you might be double-minded right now. That's why God is ministering James 4, 8 to you. It says in the word of God that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if you need wisdom, God is here to give you wisdom. I want you to read 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, um, I would say 1 Corinthians 2. Three and four. Read those. Wisdom is in there. James 1 8 says, Such a person is double minded. What kind of person is that? Let's read it. This was not part of my um, my notes at all. So I know this is for somebody that needs to hear it. God says that in James 1 8 says, He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's see what the Bible says about, about a double minded man. It says, um, that person should not expect... Okay, let me see. James 1. Let's go to James 1. James 1. My internet is a little slow today. <laughs> All right, let's say James 1. 
Let's take this moment as I'm looking up James 1. This was not part of my, um, my, my notes, so bear with me. Whatever it is that God is um, releasing to you right now, he's talking to you right now about certain things that you're double-minded about. So just ask him to reveal it. God, I just ask you to reveal the double-mindedness that is in my sister's and brother's life right now that you want to deal with today and give them wisdom in how to handle it. It says, James 1, James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus, to the twelve tribes scattered, scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, my brothers, and uh, and sisters. He's talking to everybody. What? Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be mature and complete. Perseverance. Perseverance. When it completes, it's complete tested and course. You become mature and complete. Not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without fault, finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So there's a spirit of doubt that's causing you not to get the wisdom that you need so that you're not double-minded. So I pray right now, God, that you will sever the spirit of doubt out of their mind, out of their heart, out of their presence. And I pray for belief in you, God. Ignite their fire of belief, of faith in you. Because perfect love casts out fear. So I come against every fear with your love. That you, that God, you show them, you shower them your, your love. That you place upon them the fruit of love. And it says, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. And God does not want you to be like a wave of the sea, you know, being tossed to and fro. Because when you doubt, you are like, you're just moving around and doing whatever. But when you sit still and ask the Lord to give you wisdom... That he will give you wisdom and instruction. So I just pray instructions over my sisters and brothers right now. Divine instructions. It says blown and tossed by the wind. That person is not is not that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That is true because when you're double-minded, you don't really receive anything from the Lord. Jonah was double-minded. He was supposed to go to you know Nineveh, but he went to Tarshish. And he found himself in the belly of a fish. And when he finally surrendered and prayed, right, God answered him. He, he, was not, he was not, you know, receiving anything from God because he was, in, you know, basically in rebellion. So God is speaking to somebody right now that whatever it is that you're double-minded about, he wants to heal that spirit of doubt and give you a, a faith and, and, and give you wisdom and love. Okay, so just go into the presence of God with worship. I want you to remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not principalities, not demons, not, you know, um, angels. It says in the word of God, nothing will separate you from the love of God. So uh, that person should not, it said that person should not expect anything from the Lord. Because you're double-minded if you have faith in him. Because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so you gotta have faith, even the mustard seed of faith. You have a mustard seed of faith, use it today. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a huge. Everybody has a, a measure of faith that God has given them, right? And a measure of grace as well. 
such a person is double-minded when he says you don't have, you know, faith and unstable in all these ways. So, God, I just thank you for this moment of revelation of your word, that you are speaking to your, your, your sons and daughters in this room, that they are listening to you, God. I pray even now, I thank you for the conviction that has come in the room today. Holy Spirit, I just mean, I pray the Lord, you Holy Spirit, you minister to them, minister to them, draw them closer to the Lord. You know how to do that more than anybody, more than I do. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to their spirit, to their soul, to their minds, to their hearts, God, to their thoughts, to what they are looking at. The Lord is saying to somebody right now, do not look at the circumstances. Look to me, he says. He says right now that uh, walk by faith, not by sight. Don't look at what's in front of you. That's, how, that's what you're, you're, you have doubt is because you're looking at the, the things that are happening. But he said, no, 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 look at me, look at me. He said, look at me right now, look at me. Look at the Lord, look at God, look at him, look at him right now, look at him. Come on, lift up your head and look up and look at the, look at the Lord and say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I feel that shackles breaking right now. God, I trust you, yes. God, I trust you. Yes. Put your trust back in the hands of the Lord. Come on, tell him, God, I put my trust back in your hands. I put my faith back in your hands. Not in my own hands, not in the hands of men, but in your hands. We bless your name. God, we thank you for restoration in the room today. And so I submit the, mind, the, minds, that, the minds of your people to you, that you will do a work in their minds and in your soul and in your spirit. Father, I thank you for this moment of preaching or teaching and prophecy that you will come in the room, even the more Holy Spirit, be the teacher, the comforter, and be the helper that we need today. I submit my mind, my body, my spirit, my soul to you, Lord. I receive your revelation today in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over this time as we worship you and we glorify your name and we learn from you today. Let your will be done and let your kingdom come. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen.
right, so that was Todd Dwinley, uh, Revelation 4. Revelation 4. Uh, this is some words that God is saying right now that he wants me to release to some people. Uh, you know, if you're a pastor right now, I just want you to know this, that God is in control, okay? He's in control. And he's working everything together for your good. He's not going to assign you with his church and his sheep and just leave you hanging. No, 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 no. It's not gonna, he's, not, he's not a God that, that doesn't complete what he starts. He does. He completes what he starts. Um, and what the Lord is saying is that um, there is a season of rest that he's brought upon his people. But then there's a season of drawing, dwelling, that he's, he's, he's bringing his people into. He's pre preparing them into, okay? In every season, in every year, your audience changes. Even if you had an audience, you have a target of audience. Let's say that God called you to reach the backsliders or the addicted people, you know, um, Remember that when they come to your, your, your church that God has given you, they're not going to be the same. They're going to change over time. And so the sheep that came into the church when you started are not the same as they are now. So you have to re-look really into your audience, into the cloud of witnesses, into the, into the congregation, and see who is your audience in this season. Because your audience in this season will help you propel you to your next level and increase your, 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 your footprint in the nations and in your community. So ask the Lord, who is my audience in this season for ministry? Because some of you have been frustrated because you're like, I don't know. Like, people are leaving the church and some are coming in. I just don't know what to do. Like, when, you, when, when a pastor finds who their audience is, who God has called them to, and caters to them, meaning that gives them what God wants them to eat, what God wants them to have, what God wants to feed them with, you will expand. There is always expansion when you find your audience. There is always relief and clarity and a sound mind and peace when you finally remember or finally realize, that's the word realize, who your audience is. Your audience in the last season is not the same anymore because the people that came into your church are not the same anymore. You're different. So this is a season to go into the secret place of the Most High and ask Him, who are your audience? They are seasoned even in pe with people, especially with prophets. Your, your audience changes. Sometimes God will have you in a season, maybe in the beginning of the year, you will be ministering to those that are, are have soul ties or those that are broken, those, those, that, those that are, you know, backsliders. And then in the next season of the same year, you will be ministering to, you know, uh, divorced people or even, you know, addicted people. So you got to, God is always shifting, you know, audience. He's always shifting because the same people that you have when you start a ministry are not the same that you're called to. You might have been called to, you know, the prodigal sons. But guess what? They have come. <laughs> the, the prodigal sons have returned. So who are your audience now? Who are they? Maybe the, the son that stayed. The jealous son. Maybe that, that is your audience. Because you have drawn the prodigal sons back to God. And now the people that are in the house that are jealous or that, that don't know how to extend, you know, grace to people or extend, 
the meat of the word of God to other, other prodigal sons that don't want to see other prodigal sons return, maybe those are your audience that you need to minister to. So you got to ask the Lord right now. Ask him, who are my audience? And he will tell you. Uh, in this season, God is saying to people in, in marriage, in marriage, your weapon is pulling down strongholds. But the Bible says in Second Corinthians, we know in the word of God that we got to pull down strongholds. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we got to pull it down, right? We got to pull it down because that's how we're able to uh, fight warfare and fight the assignment of the enemy, especially when it comes to marriage, because the enemy is against marriage. Now, I, I'm not saying that every marriage, the enemy, you know, all right. So, yes, there are some marriages that are orchestrated by the enemy, period. And then there are some marriages that are orchestrated by God. Every marriage should be orchestrated by God, but the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So sometimes you will bring certain marriages together to, to dismantle um, ministry or to dismantle purpose in somebody's life. A marriage between two non-Christians who want to be atheists is not God's purpose, right? It's not God's purpose. If that marriage does not lead that person to God or that person to ministry or that person to the purpose that God has called them to, that's not God's purpose for that person, right? Um, so first, Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's a whole load of revelation there. That you don't give an eye for an eye, right? That you don't use a sword to fight something that is in the realm of the spirit. Right, even in your office, sometimes somebody in in your office, people are doing certain things against you in your office. You are, you don't say anything. God has instructed you don't say anything. Just go in and pray because it's not you're not fighting a person. You're fighting Jezebel. You're not fighting a person. You're fighting uh, the spirit of hatred or even a Saul. Okay, so you got to wage war in a different way than the world does. You're wasting your time writing a long email. I don't know who you are, but you're wasting your time writing a long email. Let the Lord fight for you in, in prayer. Okay? Pray and praise, the Lord says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that's what God is saying right now, that in marriages, you got to destroy strongholds. What are the strongholds? Some of you already know what it is. Uh, you don't have to say anything because the Lord already has been hearing you talking about the issues that your husband has or the issues that your wife has already, right? And so um, what are the strongholds? What are the strongholds right now? We are to demolish arguments in every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. You got to demolish strongholds. That's, the, that's your weapon for marriage in this season. If you're married, your, your weapon is demolishing strongholds. Pulling down strongholds in your marriage is a warfare tactic that the Lord is saying to you right now to you. So look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Okay. Um... God is bringing wisdom and meekness and removing greed from certain states in the country. He's, he's removing pride, Leviathan, out of especially pastors. Um, 
God is saying that his sheep, the sheep do, do not belong to you. This is, this is a message of conviction to a pastor. The sheep does not belong to you. It never did. They don't belong to you. It belongs to God. You don't even belong to you. You belong to God. He, um, God gave you this ministry, this, this job of being a pastor because he trusted your heart. But for some reason, there's some, some, some type of pride that has come into your heart. And so God wants to bring meekness into your heart again. All right. So he wants you to study about Daniel. Read about Daniel. Read the book of Daniel. Daniel was put in positions that were very bigger than him. But he still remained meek. He still remained humble. And that's why God kept elevating him. That's why God kept, you know, uh, advancing him and, and, and protecting him. Yes, there are people who have gossip about you. Pastors go through the most gossip and most slander. But Jesus did. And he did, he did not let the, you know... Pharisees and Sadducees stop him. No, no, no. He kept going. So God is saying that he wants to continue to put meekness into your heart. So study about humility in the word of God. Study about what humility is, right? And even some of you, God is saying, like, some of you have been like David. You've, you've been out of position. Uh, when you're out of position, when you're not going to war or in your assignment, you open yourself to Bathsheba assignments. To the temptations of the enemy to the will of the devil not the will of god so remember to continue to be on on your road of purpose your your field of purpose to continue to till the ground and do the work that god has called you do not lay it down because when you lay it down that's it gives a room it gives room for the enemy to come in so God has also given wisdom in the schools, in the churches, in the government, in the marketplace as well. He's releasing insight and foresight. Yeah, insight and foresight into the school system, the churches, the government, and the marketplace. So if you're somebody called into these four spheres of influence, these four uh, different influence of uh, ministry, Really go into the Word of God and, and learn about wisdom. Proverbs is a good book to read about wisdom. Ask God where He wants you to read. He might tell you to read about Esther 4, you know, when um, Esther's uncle gave her wisdom, right? And Esther said, I want you all to pray and fast with me, right? That's wisdom. She knew she couldn't do it by herself. She needed, she, she needed an army of people who are diligent, who are prayer warriors on her side. So that could be the wisdom that you need. You need to find your army of prayer warriors. Daniel did not do everything by himself. He prayed with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had people with him. So you need to find your people. Find your community. That is wisdom, right? That is wisdom. And so that's what God is saying right now. Um... That and also he's saying, put on your shield of faith. Yeah, put on your shield of faith. He got you. He got you. He got you. Put on your shield of faith. He got you. The Lord says. All right. So God, we thank you for this uh, revelation that you've given us. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we are studying about soul surgery and also talking about the fact that there are people in the word of god who um went through certain things that we can learn from right that we can learn from so right now 
I want you to take a moment and get your your paper, your pens, your books, whatever you need. You need to, um, you know, take notes. Let the Lord minister. You can go get that. Uh, get your Bibles because you're gonna learn today. Okay. All right. So so tithes. Like I said in the in the beginning, you know, so tithe is not normally what we think it is. Okay. So tithe is more than just sex that opens the door it's also relationships you know emotional relationships can open the door non-sexual relationships can open so tight it's because we elevate people above god whenever you elevate anything above god it becomes adultery it becomes idol worship it becomes it opens the door to so tight so what is the soul we already defined that up but i want to redefine that again soul is mind your thinking your will decisions right your emotions your feelings your imagination you know your dream room what, what you think about your affection how you relate right and that's why demons like to be in your mind like to be in your emotions like to be right in your body in your soul because demons like to cause you to have a skewed mindset right and so sometimes there are demons that are attached to soul ties that, so you need deliverance, like you need to cast out that spirit. And how you cast out spirits is by the, what you're doing and by your name. So let's say you're somebody who might have you know, thoughts, negative thoughts all the time. Just say, in the name of Jesus, the, the demon that is attached to this negative thought of you know, whatever the, the negative thought is, say it. I command you in the name of Jesus to go. You have power in your mouth. You believe in your heart that God can free you. He can. So when you speak it, you renounce it. You repent for entertaining that spirit, for going along with that spirit. And then you renounce it and you command that spirit to up and out. I call it the up and out. Come out. Come up and leave. Go in the name of Jesus. And that spirit will go. Okay? If it doesn't happen the first time keep praying it's going to happen sometimes you need a the, the a deliverance you need faith to see it happen because it's a it's a miracle it's it's a type of a gift of miracle deliverance itself so you need faith people who walk who walk in deliverance and walk in miracles and healings they have the gift of faith along with it and sometimes the more you pray it the more your faith increases right and also if you're somebody that smokes i want you to say every day tell yourself I am a non-smoker every day. Even if you're going to smoke, just say it every single day, especially when you feel the urge to smoke. I am a non-smoker in the name of Jesus, okay? God is going to deliver you. All right, so let's look at Genesis 34. Uh, so this is um, how Shechem and Dinah, um, their souls were tied. His soul was joined to Dinah. And that's unhealthy so tight. Okay, so let's see what happens here. Now, uh, so like Genesis 34. Now, uh, Dinah, the daughter of Leah. We know how Leah happened, Rachel, Leah, Jacob, all of that. Whom she had born to Jacob. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Went out to see the daughters of the land. Um, and when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hivite, prince of the country saw her he took her and lay with her and violated her so basically she went out 
to go see the daughters of the land. She just went out, you know, it's like going out with your friends, going out into the marketplace. And then this man sees you and literally takes you and rapes you. That's what happened. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. First, he saw her. That's the thing. It goes way back to the, the, the garden, right? When the Lord told them, do not eat of the forbidden fruit. Do not eat of this fruit. Eve looked at it. He, she kept looking. She kept looking. And the more you look, the more enticing the thing becomes. Even if, it is, even if it's not enticing, the more you look. That's how some people, when they get married, especially like in arranged marriages, they might not really love themselves in the beginning, but the more they spend time with each other, each other, the more they look at each other, then they start to find certain things about the person that they could love. They have, they have to learn to love the person. I don't really think anybody should learn to love somebody in a marriage. You should already come, you know, really hard, you know, intensely in love with the person already. But anyway, so he saw her and he kept looking. The same with, with David. He saw Bathsheba and he kept looking. The more you keep looking, the more you're going to be enticed. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring enticement. You know, sin does not begin with thoughts. Begin with enticement. Harlotry, like in you know, Proverbs 7, talk about the harlot. It doesn't begin with just the harlot being there. It's you looking at the harlot. Yes, the harlot is on that road. But did you keep looking at the harlot? No. If you stop looking, it will go. That was says that turn to the Lord, resist the enemy, and he will flee. Right? He didn't turn to the Lord. He, he did not resist, you know, his temptation. He took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. How is it that you just raped somebody and you're speaking kindly to her? That is not right. Remember that he, he saw her and he took her and he lay with her. See, the thing is that enticement causes you to put action to it. So ties always begin with enticement and then, and then mature into action okay and then at the end is bondage we see that after he slept with her he was strongly attracted to her and loved her so Shechem for so Shechem spoke to the to his father him Hamar saying get me this young woman as a wife you already see that's the thing about soul ties is that soul ties will cause you to desire to be with somebody that is not supposed to be with you this was a sexual soul tie as we can see so it says so Shechem spoke to excuse me so Shechem spoke to his father right and told him to get her for him as a wife that reminds me of uh, Samson. When Samson told his, his parents to get Delilah for him as a wife. 
And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. The father, Dinah's father, Jacob heard what had happened to her to his daughter. Now, it's a whole different thing to be, you know, because sometimes so ties come through incest, right? There are people who who have slept with their own daughters. That's that's incest. That's the spirit of incest. And and then there's people who have been raped by, you know, uncles, people in your family. And there are people who have been raped by boyfriends or, you know, strangers, right? However that rape happened, somebody's going to be mad. Somebody's going to be mad. And most of the time it's the person who, who have been violated. Or, and also the people that really care about that person. And so Jacob was, was you know, heard about it. Now his sons, who, who, whose sons? Jacob's sons were with his livestock in the field. Remember that Jacob had sons by, uh, you know, Leah. He had, you know, Levi and, and all those other sons that he had. They were always in the field. Um, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Jacob held his peace. That's what it means to have peace that surpasses understanding. Because any father that truly loves their children, that truly loves their daughter, will not want to see their daughter raped. They will want to take revenge. And so what did Jacob do? He said he held his peace until they came. Then Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The fathers wanted to deal with the issue together. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were, were grieved and very angry because he had, done this, he, had, he, had, he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamar spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. And that's what happens when you have sex before marriage. When you have sex before marriage, when, you know, the world, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 about how we are not to go along with the, the wisdom of the world. But we are to, even, you know, we are to go with what the Spirit of the Lord is leading us. Romans 8.20, Romans 8 talk about how, you know, the sons of God are led by, by the Lord, by the Spirit of God, Right? Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So the world tells you, you know, when you meet a guy, when a woman meets a guy, you know, um, you guys fall in love, you guys get to know each other, you move in, you, you, you get an apartment together, you get a house together, you know, and then you live together for a year and see how it goes uh, and basically play house and then get married. Just because you're engaged doesn't mean you should move in together. That, that, that you, are, you are still single when you're engaged. Until you have walked down the aisle, professed your love to each other, but, you know, saying to death do us apart, you are still single. The world tells you, you know, when you get engaged, move in, buy a house together. No, no, no. Because premarital counseling will let you know if somebody's for you or not. That's the same. That's the purpose of premarital counseling. Premarital counseling is to to basically server everything that you are not looking at or you're not seeing that could show that that person is for you or or that person is not for you. It's to expose. It's it's, it's to shine the light. Let me rephrase it. 
premarital counseling is to is to shine the light up upon the person that you're you're deciding to marry because that will show you if that person is for you for life or not. And the mistake that many people do is that they quickly say, "Oh, I'm in love, and and I love this person, blah blah blah," and they move in together, they have sex, and their soul is tied, like how we see here, and they want to get married, and then after like. Five years, two years, three years, four years, seven years, nine years, ten years. They can't stand each other. They're like, why did I remarry this person? Because you did it wrong. If you, were, if, you, if you resisted the urge to move in together, if you resisted the urge to buy a house together, if you resisted the urge to have kids before marriage, you would not be tied. You would, you would not be like, you know, Jake um, um, Shechem's father saying, Oh, um, you know, my, my son wants to marry your daughter because his soul is tied to her, to her and he longs for her as a wife. You would not want to long for a man as a husband when you know that he's not a husband material. But because you already bought a house, you're stuck. You can't really leave because you guys have made a financial commitment. Or you guys have had a child together and now you are stuck with each other. And now you're miserable and you're not in love, but you have to tolerate the person and pretend to love the person. Because there's a soul tie there. That happened because you did not do it God's way. But if you did it God's way and you went through premarital counseling and did not have sex with that person and waited for God to expose to you the thing that you're not seeing because you are in cloud nine and in love, you would have been able to realize that, okay, this, this person, he's not really concerned about ministry like he, he told me he is. Or, you know, he's not really, you know, dealt with his childhood trauma like he should. So now he doesn't even know how to lead as a man. You know, that would have caused you to halt a little bit and say, you know what, let's go through freedom. Let's go through, you know, redeeming our souls. Let's go through this. Let's go through that. Let's go through counseling, right? Or as if you're a guy, you're like, oh, she's not, you know, healed from her father wounds or she doesn't know how to cook and clean. You can find out. Listen, I have been to, I have, uh, let me see, how do I say this? I have been invited to uh, a guy's house. And when I, I was invited, I, he wanted me to meet his friend. It was the three of us, his best friend, me and him. We were never in, in his apartment alone. That never happened. He wanted me to meet his, his best friend. And so I went to meet his best friend in his apartment. He asked me, do, you know, do I want to stay over? And I said, no. And I told him, I've never, I've never slept in a, a guy's house. And I'm not doing that. His respect for me increased. Why? Because I had standard, I had boundaries. Men love boundaries, okay? I don't know who I'm talking to, but men love boundaries. If you're dating, you gotta set boundaries. For me, I don't talk to a guy after 9 p.m. I don't meet, I don't meet a guy after nine. Well, I'll say after 10. 10, after 10 p.m., I don't meet a guy after 10. I don't talk to a guy after 9 p.m. Because 9 p.m. going is, nothing good happens during that time. So I don't talk to men. Even if you're a friend, I don't talk to you after 9 p.m. I don't spend time with you after 10. 
that's my boundaries. Because I'm, I'm not trying to create no soul tie. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> I want to live free, okay? <laughs> so you got to remember that we have to do things God's way. Because if we don't, you're, you're doing it the enemy's way, and that's why he wants, you to tra- he wants to trap you. You feel trapped in the house. But if you did it God's way, you, your eyes would have been opened. I remember one time I had a friend who told me, after she, well, she's like a friend... Uh, and she was like a friend, a sister, a uh, family member. Anyway, so she was like, after she got married, after like five years, she was like, look, listen, take your time, okay? Take your time. <laughs> and she was like, take your time. Make sure that what he tells you he's going to do, he does it. That if he tells you he's going to go to law school, he's going to go to law school. If he tells you he's going to be a doctor, he's going to want to do it. Don't let him just, you know, sweet talk you. And I'm like, okay. She was, like, really intense about it, right? And so wisdom comes in the room when you seek God, when you seek the ways of God. But when you seek the ways of the enemy, you will get a so time. So here it is. It says here, and the sons, okay, let's see, um, nine. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So this man did not just want to just have Dinah just marry, marry his son. But he wanted to like have like a family marriage marathon going on. Like let your daughters marry our daughters. Let our sons marry your sons. Like he wanted a whole, he wanted to adopt a whole family out of this horrible situation. I mean, put yourself in Dinah's position. Dinah's probably like, are you kidding me? You want me to remember the, you, what happened to me for my, the rest of my life by marrying your son and you merging with our family? Nobody wants to have the person and their family who did them wrong around them. Because that's continuous torture of what happened. I mean, you forgive, but you release, right? Forgive and release them. So, let's see what happens. So, you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it, and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her, to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Oh, my gosh. This, this man don't get it. You just raped your child, and you over here asking for favor? Ask me ever so much um, dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. He was really, like, intense about this. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamar, his father, and spoke um, deceitfully, because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, We cannot do this thing. To give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, <laughs> for that will be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we'll give our daughters to you. And we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's sons. 
So this was basically a trick. You know, they did not really do that. They, uh, they killed the sons, literally killed them. So let's look. Let's go down to um, 25. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. You know, the Bible says that if you want to overtake a, 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 somebody's a house, you have to first, you know, bind the strong man. This was their way of weaken, weakening them. Um, this was their way of this was their way of making them weak so that they can overtake them. Uh, it says in Mark uh, three twenty seven. It says, "No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house." So this is like a physical demonstration of Mark three twenty seven. Of course, it's talking about you know uh, the spiritual side of it, right? But they've literally caused them to circumcise themselves and be in pain. And when they were in pain, you know, Dinah's brothers each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamar and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. So they took revenge. They took revenge. But we know that God is the God of vengeance, not us, right? Um, but they did. They took revenge. Because they, they said, should he, uh, 31, so uh, Genesis 34, 31. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? Because they, they treated her like a harlot. She was not a harlot. She went out to see the, you know, the daughters of the land. And she came back being treated like a harlot. Whenever you, you molest somebody and you, you rape somebody, you are treating a person like a harlot. And, and that always opened the door to so tight. And so that's what we learned here that, you know, what happened, how the sotai opened up. He had a sotai, but Dinah did not have a sotai to him. Dinah did not, Dinah did not have a sotai to him. He had, a so, he had a sotai to her. And so that lets you know that sotais can come one, one-sided. So what can we learn from this? basically what I said, you got to do things God's way. In the today world, don't sleep with somebody before you get married. It's that simple. Yeah, this came through a rape. But even, you know, even if they, you know, they, um, they were not, it was on rape. It's still, it's the same thing. It's still opening a door. Because the marriage bed is undefiled. It's undefiled between who? A man and a wife. A husband and wife. So if you're not a husband and wife, you should not have sex because sex blinds you. It literally do. It blinds you from really seeing the person entirely. Even your spirit man can't even see it because your flesh is all in control. Right? So um, his soul was joined to her. So let's read Ritual and the Idols. Let's look at Genesis 31. We are in the book of Genesis today. 
So this is, I already talked about how a soul tie can form between, uh, you know, through, through sex, through lust, right? Because this was not love. Because love, if you really love somebody, you want to wait like how Jacob waited for Rachel, right? He worked for her for 14 years. Yeah, it was seven years, but literally he had to work again for seven years more before he had sex with, with Rachel. So that you can, you can see that in the word of God, God has a standard in how things should be done, right? But with when it comes to lust, lust takes, you know, but love gives. Jacob gave time and work to earn ritual. But Shechem, he wanted to just have it and have it now. And even the dad also did, did not even get the, the revelation like, hey, you need to minister to your son and tell your son, don't do that. That's wrong, right? But, you know, like father like son sometimes. Maybe, maybe it might be a generational curse or a generational bondage in their family to rape people and marry them. So um, there are so many things here. Sometimes you're so ties because of generational curse or generational bondage in your own family that you need to target and not, you know, expand into your, your children, right? So let's, now let's look at how so ties can happen between you and things, right? The things that you might desire to have. Let's look at Genesis uh, 31, 14 to 16. Now, we remember that Jacob fled from Laban. You know, after Laban's trickery, um, he fled. So let's look at Genesis uh, 31, 14. It says here, um, I want us to make sense of this. So I'm going to read from Genesis 31, 1 to 16 okay because I, I want you guys to get what we're reading about now jacob heard the words of laban's sons saying jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from what was our father's he has acquired all this wealth um remember that jacob and laban had like a agreement you know about how um, when you look at Genesis 30, uh, 30, 25 to 43, you can look at the agreement that they had. I don't want to go through that agreement because it's going to be too long for, for us. So please take time to read Genesis 30, 25 to 43. All right. So they had an agreement. Go read, go read, go read about the agreement. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and your family, and I will be with you. The agreement is not, it's not, um, the agreement in Genesis 30, 25 to 43 is not the agreement, uh, the agreement to, uh, to work for um, Rachel. That's, that's, that's another agreement that happened after he won, he, he got Rachel. All right, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and, and to your family, and I will be with you. So, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. I mean, come on, Jacob, like you should have known that when he made the first agreement with you. But the Lord, but, but the God of my father has, has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yep. 
He, he definitely has. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. That's what happens when two deceivers meet each other. Sometimes God will cause you to meet you, right? Jacob met Laban. Jacob and Laban have the same manipulative spirit. Um, and so I believe that Jacob was learning about patience and diligence and also learning how it feels to be on the other side of being manipulated. Sometimes God will take you through that. All right, so... Uh, Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said that, if, if he said to us, the, uh, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. Um, and if he said to us, the, stri the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks were bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. So in the second time when, when Laban tried to trick Jacob, God intervened and literally like helped out, helped, um, helped Jacob. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given it to me. God, God gave favor to Jacob even in the trickery that Laban was um, causing to happen. So sometimes God would do that. Um, and it happened at this time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the, rain, the, ram, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. That's, some, that's, that's to minister to somebody. That whatever is happening, okay, whatever Laban is in your life, God sees what the Laban is doing to you. Okay, this, I really strongly believe somebody needed to hear this Bible verse of Genesis 31, 11, That God says to you, okay, Genesis 31, 11 to... Um, three, the God says to you right now that all that Laban is doing to you, I have seen it, okay? Whatever your Laban is, you know what, who your Laban is. So 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and which you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. So now we're reading about what Rachel did. Then Rachel Elia answered and said to, the, to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. So we see that, um, you know, Rachel and Leah were in agreement with what Jacob wanted to do, wanted to leave. I want us to go down to 19. Now Laban had gone to sear his uh, sheep and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban. All right, let's see. So Rachel stole the idols because 
the idols that her father had in, in his house. Let's look at 30, 33. Let's look at 33. Uh, Genesis 31, 33. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. So basically, Laban realized that the idols were taken out, and so he went after them. And this is what happened. Then he went out, out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And, and she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of woman is with me. She was saying she was, saying she was having her period. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answer, answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? Why is my, what is my sin? What is my sin that you have so heartily pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of, my, of your household things have you found? So she literally took the idols and sat on it and said, oh, you know, I'm having my period. I, I can't really get up. So she lied. She became a deceiver. She became a deceiver. She deceived her dad. And that's the thing about when you are so tied to something that you will lie to keep it. Being so tied to something you know, will cause you to deceive other people. So you keep it. Will cause you to lie like she lied. Will cause you to hide it. So I want to ask you, what are you so tied to? What idols are you so tied? Because this is something that she could have lived without. Whatever you're, you're, you're uh, having to lie about and deceive, it's an idol. Right? It's an idol. Rachel knew that Jacob is a man of God. He knew, I mean, she knew that he, he, worshiped, he worshiped God, Yahweh. And so what are you doing with idols when you're married to Jacob? So I want to ask you, what are you doing with idols when you're married to God? Because we are one with him, right? What are you doing with idols in your life when you're married, married to God? I want to ask you, what are the idols that you have in your life that you're you're sitting on, like how Rachel was sitting on the idols. Idol of money. Idol of power. Ooh, idol, idol of revenge. I don't know how, I hear the Lord saying, saying idol of revenge. You have, an, you have idolized revenge. You just, you just always revenging yourself instead of letting the Lord revenge you. Um... Idol, idol of power. You know, oh, you are, you are, um, you're telling people your your titles and what you've done. Remember that God doesn't. You know, nothing good happens until the Lord Himself gives it. Every good thing comes from the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by the what? The Spirit of the Lord. So you have to give Him. 
glory. So what are your idols? Holy Spirit, I just ask you to give revelation to those that are listening right now what your idols are. Show them what your idols are. How they are being a ritual and sitting on their idols and and, uh, lying about it and deceiving to keep those things that you've not called them to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now I want you to surrender your idols to the Lord. We're going to take a break. Uh, I want you to look at Lot's wife. Lot's wife in Genesis 19, 26. Look at Lot's wife about how she also um, had idols, right? Genesis 19, 26, the Lord told them, told her to, to not look back. They should take their stuff and go. But sometimes when you look back, the past can be an idol, right? The past can be your idol. And she turned into a pillar of salt. So during the break, I want you to read uh, Genesis 19, 26 and Luke 17, 30 to 37. And I want you to ask the Lord, what are your idols that are in your life that are keeping you bound or causing you not to move forward in your life? The soul ties might have broken, but you need to identify the idol so that when it comes back, you know how to deal with it. It says in Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife, Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So take a break and ask the Lord to show you any idols that you have. So 
here are these hands They haven't done so well But you were there Even when I made my bed in hell So here's my life, here's my life I give it all to you Consuming fire, consuming fire Consuming fire, oh Father, consume me. You can use me, breathe life into me. Here on this altar, Father, consume me. You can use me, breathe life into me. Here on this altar, so Father, consume me. You can use me, breathe life into me. Here on this altar, and Father, consume me.
everyone who's willing and everyone who's able to find a space for like both of your knees here if you're able let's find a space to kneel So that was the song, I Surrender, by Summer's Ring. We see that in the Word of God, when you read Genesis um, 1926 and Luke 17, 30, 37. Some of you might have you know, read the whole Genesis 19. But remember that sometimes you can be so tied to a place. And she lost her future because she was so tied to the place that God was telling her to leave with her family. Uh, sometimes if you don't leave, you don't really see the promise ahead. You know, you don't really see what's going to happen next that God has. If God has told you to leave, leave. Don't look back. Don't look back to that place. Don't look back to that past because nothing is there for you. They, God told them to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. There was nothing there for them. Nothing whatsoever. But she looked back. When God gives you instructions, you have to obey it. You have to. Because he knows why he tells you not to do something and why he tells you to do something. He, she obeyed halfway. You know, halfway obedience is still disobedience. The Lord said, don't look back. She looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. It's important to look forward when you are going through so ties. When you're going through so ties... Um, healing and deliverance you got to look forward yeah you look back to you look at the issues to rise up from it when she packed up her stuff and started to leave that was her you know moving out of that place of bondage but when you go back to your vomit when you go back to your 
issues, when you go back to your bondage, you become salty. When you go back looking at those pictures from the past with you and your bae, with you and what happened in the past, you become salty. But if you keep moving forward, there's life, there's peace, there's purpose. Right? The Bible says in the word of God that I'm going to read from um, Luke 9, Luke 9, 62. Luke 9. Let's look at Luke 9. Um, when Jesus ministered to the man. Okay, Luke 9. Let's look at Luke 9, 60. Okay. Uh, I want to read from New King James Version. Because I don't want to read from uh, King James Version because you, I want you guys to understand what is being read here. All right, let's look at Luke 9, 60. All right, so if you have it, let's open it. Okay, so the cost of discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, to who? To Jesus. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nets, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Well, Jesus was telling him about how you know, a prophet is not welcome in his own household, right? So that was an, a revelation to that Bible verse of, you know, uh, people of God are not. He was also telling the person, the ministry of, you know, Jesus is not just to stay at one place. It's to keep moving on and, you know, making disciples and, and whatnot. Luke 4, 24, it says, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in, in, in his own hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three days, I mean for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. The Bible verse here of uh, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Even his birth was symbolism of this. When he was born, there was no manger. Like, nobody wanted to open his their hotel for, for him to come and be, be born. So that was even foretelling what, what his life was going to be like and what ministry is like. That, you know, you, you will go through seasons where... It's not going to be easy, right? It's not going to be easy. So he was telling him, like, hey, 
There is suffering with, with, with ministry, just so you know. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That's what God was, Jesus was telling him. Not to look to the past, not to look behind him. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury your own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, to, to, and then, and another said Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell, farewell who are at my house. All these people had like this excuses, like it wasn't really excuses, but they, they had they like they had they wanted to do something before they go and do, and that's what the enemy does. Like, oh, you know, don't pray. Why, why don't you cook first, or why, why don't you take a shower first, or you know, why don't you go here first? And then the more you delay it, the more you say, oh, I ha I have to go to and bid farewell. Then you're like, oh wait, I have to go get clothes on, on the journey. Oh wait, I have to. You know, I have to uh, go and, and, and do this and do that. And the more you do that, the more you delay to preach the word of God. Even now, before I came and preached today, uh, the enemy was like, oh, wh why don't you do this and do this first before you do? I'm like, no, God wants me to teach this. I'm going to come and teach it. Okay. So that's what the Lord was showing this person here, that um, you cannot look back. And still move forward. And another said to and another said, uh, let's see, let's go here. Sixty-two. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's true. Meaning that no one who start to do ministry or start to do the will of God, the purpose of God, whatever God has called you to do, and you look back to the past, and actually looking back and reminiscing about the past and and desiring to be there. It's not fit for the kingdom of God. And we see this with the Israelites. God caused Moses to lead them out of Egypt bondage. And they were like, oh, we are here and you, you're trying to kill us. And, and we, we don't have food. We used to eat, you know, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, burgers and, and lambs and animals. And we had all these fruits and vegetables and all of this that we had. But you were in bondage, though. <laughs> Right? You were in bondage. Will you want to be in bondage and eat well? Or do you want to be free and, and eat well? And so God gave them manna. Right? So the, the, Bible says that, the Bible says that nobody's fit when you put your hand to the plow. Yes, foxes have holes and birds have nets. But sometimes you will not have a place to lay your head. But... The more you keep on going, God is going to make things happen. You know, even the birds he feeds, right? So, your life is always changing when it comes to God. Even when you were first born, you don't live in the same place you lived. You live somewhere else, right? The journey to freedom from so tight is for you to keep moving forward, even if you don't, understand, even if you don't know where you're going to lay your head. Even if you don't know what, what's going to happen next, God knows. So we see that, you know, Lot's wife had so tied to the past, to the past of the bondage that she was in. She already took her stuff. Maybe it was curiosity. I don't know why she looked back. It doesn't say why she looked back. But God gave her instructions. Do not look back. So what is the instruction that God has given you right now in your life that you have not done? Or you disobeyed. 
Disobeying God always causes some saltiness in your life. It causes something that is not right. That's not supposed to be there. It gives the enemy a foothold, right? So the last part is the John 4 woman. Uh, this part, I want you to read it on your own. Because I believe that when you do that, God is going to minister to you personally. The, the John 4 woman, the, the, the John 4 woman, the Samaritan woman who came to the, to the well and met Jesus. You know, God knows where you are. And it shows here that the Lord knew where th this woman was. He intentionally skipped. He intentionally went through a certain route to go and meet this woman. He knew he she was going to be there at that time. So wherever you are, God knows where you are. You can hide from him. And the things that are happening in your life cannot be hidden from him. He sees it. So this woman basically ha, had a so tie. She was married. Well, she, she wasn't married. She had, she had multiple men, but she didn't have, you know, she wasn't married. And, and the man that she was with, she wasn't married to him. She'd had many husbands, but especially the man that she was with, she was not married to him. She was looking for closure. I believe she was looking for closure in the wrong places. But then she met the right the right man, Jesus Christ, at the well, and her life changed. So I want you to meet Jesus, that he is the one that can change your life. You will not have to look to things, to people, to places, to the past. Jesus was her future. She was, you know, she said, you know, she said to Jesus that her ancestor Jacob had this well. And the Lord, was, the Lord Jesus was telling her about living water. She was still stuck in the past. Her, her mindset was stuck in the past. And then God, well, Lord, Jesus revealed to her that a time is coming when she will not even, they will not even worship on this mountain. For God, you know, God is spirit and they that worship the Lord by worship, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus gave her revelation. She left with the revelation that, that and, and also, you know, with revelation of who jesus was and also revelation of what, what is to come that, that a, a time is coming when and it's true we don't have to go to a mountain to worship god right now you can worship god anywhere you want anywhere you can pray anywhere she was given a, revel, a rev, revelation that the disciples were not even given so i want you to read john 4 and she became free through that revelation, through that wisdom of, of God, through that wisdom that the Lord Jesus gave her. He literally became a prophet in front of her. He became an evangelist to her, right? By evangelizing what, what is to come of how people are going to worship. He became a, a, a pastor to her. I believe he became a teacher to her. He became the whole five-fold five ministry in front of this John 4 woman to set her free. And that's what it's about. That when the five-fold ministry unites, there's freedom that always emerges. Right? So your pastor 
is helping you to be free through the sermons that he teaches or she, or she teaches. Your teacher, the saint, the evangelists, the, the apostles, the prophets. All of us together will see the body of Christ free from bondages. So, Lord, as they read John 4, I just pray that you give them revelation. Give them insight, foresight. Give them what you gave the woman of the well. They are the women of the well right now. And they need that revelation from you today. So that they can go out and do what you called them to do. That woman was called to be an evangelist. She went out and told about you, Jesus. She, she, she said, come and see the man who have told me, who have said everything, who have told me about everything I've done. She believed. And so I pray for belief as they read this, that they will get the revelation that they need. They will be able to even, that you would, Lord, you would um, minister to them. That you will anoint them to be able to step out of their bondage. She left her, her picture. She left the, what she brought because she got something way better than what she brought. So as they bring their issues to you, that they will leave with better, which is you, Jesus. And so I pray in the name of Jesus. All right, so I want you to start writing on a paper about your feelings right now. And, you know, start writing your feelings down, how you feel. God wants you to come to him boldly. He wants you to tell him how you feel. And as you write your feelings about whatever it is that you are praying about concerning your this, this soul surgery time that we've had. Um, after you, you write it, read it to the Lord. A time will come where you would literally tear those, the paper, what you wrote down into pieces because you would have received what you were praying for. This time going forth is you and God. I've done my part. Now it's time for you to do your part in being at the feet of Jesus like how Mary was and for him to continue this soul surgery with you. I was just a midwife to help you be in his presence, help you to identify what you are struggling with, that you need help. After a few days of, you know, writing down your feelings, you will start to feel this type of decluttering happening because the Lord is removing things out of your spirit and out of your soul and out of your mind and your heart. You're, you're releasing your burdens on him. Okay. Um, you got to start loving yourself. Take yourself out on a date. Okay. Go on a date with Jesus. Go, you know, take yourself out to the movies. Take yourself out. Go buy yourself a cute outfit. If you're a man, a nice, you know, outfit. No one knows you better than you. You know what you, you like. Go do something great for yourself. Love on yourself. Okay? And stop the expectations that you have connected to the soul tie to the other person. What do I mean? If you know that person that you were in a relationship with that opened the door to soul tie, 
when you keep expecting things from them, you're still opening that so time. Close it by giving it to the Lord. Relinquish it to God and say, God, if this, if this person, if this place, if this thing, if this you know, relationship, whatever it is, is meant to be in my life, I trust you to bring it into my life. And it, and it not have me, but me have it. God doesn't, it's, God doesn't really care. Well, I'll say this. He, he does care. But he, he doesn't want things to have you. He doesn't want people to have you. Right? There's a, there's a time when there's a difference between you having something and, having, and something having you. Right? When it has you, that's bondage. So I want you to focus on your self-improvement. Read some good books that the Lord will lead you to, okay? Read the Bible. Read about, you know, Esther, Ruth, how they moved on. Take care of your health, okay? Take care of your health. Engage in creative activities. Find yourself a Bible study group and join it. Be in good company with other people. I want to read a part of John Edcart's um, uh, declaration that break the grip of a painful past. Okay, I want to read that to you. And then we're going to end the podcast for today. The days of my morning, I want you to declare with me. I want, I want you to say this after me. The days of my morning have passed. I have now found favor in the sight of the king. That's according to Genesis 54. My winter has passed. The rain is over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. And the time of singing has come. That's uh, Songs of Solomon 2, 11 to 12. 2, 11, uh, Songs of Solomon 2, 11 to uh, 12 my mysteries of my past sufferings have been revealed to me now i can rejoice glory forever to jesus who has established me according to the gospel and the preaching of christ my past is no longer a, a kept secret its purpose its purpose its purpose has been revealed through the prophetic scriptures that i might believe and obey in my past, I was not one of God's people, but now I am. I had not received his mercy, but now I have. I had not received his grace, but now I have. And that's from 1 Peter 2.10. There is hope for my future. I want you to say that. There is hope for my future. The Lord has plans to give me a peaceful and hopeful future. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plan, plans to what? Prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you life. And life abundantly, right? The signs of God's covenant is with me in all my future generations. This one thing I will do. Forget the past and reach forward to the things that are ahead. I will press toward the goal of the prize of the, right, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press toward the goal of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So what is your high calling? Ask the Lord those questions. He will tell you. 
Philippians 3, 13 to 14, okay? All right, so I want us to take a worship break. Then I have a short word um, to tell you. And then we're going to end.
Welcome back. So, we are talking about soul surgery. I can relate. Okay. We talk about Lot's wife. We talk about Rachel. We talk about the John 4 woman. That's your assignment to go and read it. We talk about Dinah. And so, what can you relate to? Right. Um, and God is really feeding you his word to help you. So, we listen to um, Stand Forever by Todd Dewanley. And I want you to stand forever in the word of God. The word of God never goes away. The flowers may wither, but the word of God is always, it's always powerful. It always stands. It always moves. It always heals. It always does what it says it will. The flowers may fade, right? Things might happen in your life. But the word of God lasts forever. Okay, let's see. Um, Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Some translation says, stands forever. Okay, that's why the word is powerful. It serves, it's a two-edged sword for a reason. All right, so we've had a great time. I just want to encourage you with this. Your soul grows and purifies through the word, through worship, through prayer, through revelation, revelation and relationship with God. Your soul is supposed to be connected to Jesus, the Holy Spirit and God, not others, not people. Hence why we walk in the spirit and not gratified with the flesh. If you don't walk by the spirit, Satan causes your flesh to be influenced through your soul. That's why there are sexual moralities, lust of the eyes, soul ties, lust of the flesh, impurities, evil desires. But if you walk by the spirit, the Holy Spirit influences your soul. 
in your spirit and you don't have so tie, there's no lust issues. So always remember and tell yourself, those that are led by the spirit are the sons of God. There is sonship and there is labeling yourself as a Christian without sonship. The the Pharisees and Sadducees, they did not they were not sons. They they were not they did not see themselves as sons of God and children of God. They saw themselves as Christians, but they did not see themselves as daughters and sons of God. Okay. So I want I want us to read John 1, 12 to 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I'm not going to preach that message, but I want you to just get a revelation and just pray that over yourself. Okay. And then James 1.21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. What is able to save your soul? The implanted word. The word of God. That is able to save your soul. So I hope that you are blessed today. I feel led, I feel led to lead somebody to Jesus. I feel led to extend salvation to someone. So if you want to be saved, if you want to be a child of God, if you want God to be your father, uh, be a son or daughter of God, um, I want you to you know, pray this prayer with me, the salvation prayer. In, in, it's a short prayer and you will receive the Lord Jesus into your life. Your life will be, you know, um, led by the Lord. Your life will be better than it was in your past and your past will be gone. You will not have to look back like Lot's wife. You will have a new life. You will be a new person. The old will pass away. Okay. So I want you to pray after me. Lord Jesus, I confess all my sins, all my issues, all my troubles, all my doubts, everything to you. And I ask you for forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness today. Everything, I receive your forgiveness for everything I have done and not done. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I receive you. I open my heart gates to you. That Lord, you will baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I want you to just stretch out your hands to receive the Holy Spirit. And just say, Holy Spirit, I receive you today to dwell in, inside of me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. You believe that Jesus Christ came down as man, as the word in, in flesh. He died on the cross for you and my, in, in my sins. Um, he went, he laid in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose up and he, he defeated death. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God. And he is an intercessor for you and me. He's the Prince of Peace. He's our Savior, the Son of God. He's our all in all. He's our Redeemer. And he is redeeming you today. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is in you. He's your helper. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. And the Lord is your Father. So I want you to get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can get it. You can download it right now. Right now, you can, you can download it on your phone. Bible app. Go into your your apps, if you have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, I don't know how to, because I've never had an Android before, so I don't know how it works. But you just go, and wherever you, you get apps, go and search Bible app. You can just search Bible, and you'll see the Bible app, the, the Bible app, and you can download it, and you can have a Bible on your phone, okay? There are different, you know, versions, the New King James Version, the NIV, the New Translations, New... Um, there are so many versions. Literally, just let the Lord lead you what version that you should, you should read. Most people who are new to Christ, they look at the NIV version. Okay, there's a new life version, the new, new living translation, uh, the new standard version. There are so many different versions. But for me, there's a message version. Okay, um, there's a passion version that people are now into. There's the English standard version. So many versions, but there's an amplified version, okay? Uh, you can look at the NIV version or the NLT version, okay? Or the New King James Version, whichever minister to you, whichever is easier for you to understand, okay? And every time you read the Bible, just ask the Lord to give you a revelation, all right? And he will. So, uh, God, we thank you for this moment of revelation. We thank you for allowing us to be able to... Uh, gain wisdom through your word, helping us to get understanding of what so ties are and how people in the word of God deal with them. There are more people than we read about that, that deal with so ties. And so I ask you, I ask you that Lord, as my sisters and my brothers look at John 4, that you will give them revelation. You will even free them as they read your word because your word says that Lord, the implanted word, which is able to save our soul. So I pray, let the implanted word in John 4 save their soul. And so we thank you, we love you, and we pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen. So you have a blessed day. Remember what I said in the beginning, what God gave us. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You have a fruitful, a fruitful rest of your day.